Merry Christmas, everybody. This is Whosoever Will. I'm Forrest. I'm Hunter. And we're here to tackle the tough questions. One take at a time. And today's question really feels important to me, and I really want to emphasize this question. As you know, Hunter, we're around Christmas time, and it's the season that everybody loves, and especially with this COVID going on. This is a season that we've been waiting for for a while, a time mm -hmm. when we can feel happier and, you know, just... I mean, even if we can't be with our family like normal, it just still feels like more of a time together no matter how we do it. But uh, there's a question that God placed on my heart Sunday while my dad was preaching, and I circled in my Bible, and I really feel like this is a question that needs to be emphasized. So wherever you're at right now, just stop what you're doing. Um, put down the remote. Well, if you're writing something, just stop. Focus. I want you to think about this. Unless you're driving. Keep focused. Yeah. Just listen to us while we <laughs> yeah. talk. Shout out to you, Pastor Rick. Just keep driving if you're listening to it right now. So, uh, yeah, this question, in all seriousness, just I really want you to think about this and really ask yourself this question. Do you have room for him? Have you made room for Jesus in your life? Mm -hmm. And... I feel like I need to read the Christmas story, and mm -hmm. this will make more. The question will make more sense once I read it. But everybody out there, just think about that question. Focus on it. Do you make room for Him in your life? Mm -hmm. So, in Luke two verse one, it says, "And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city." And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Remember that verse. It's a very important verse in our time, especially the part where it says... There was no room for them in the end. Just circle that and remember that. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ Jesus the Lord. And this shall be a sign of you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph in the babe lying in, lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered all these things which were told by them by the shepherds. Okay, there's more to it, but I'm going to stop right there for time's sake. Um, very great passage. Um, I encourage you to read on later on because it. I mean, the whole Bible is great, but the whole story of Jesus being born is amazing. But we're going to focus on that verse that I told you just to remember earlier. Um, and I'm going to read the whole thing again, the whole verse 7. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. I mean, imagine that, Hunter. Um, mm -hmm. God's son, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, 
There was no room for him yeah. in the inn at all. So they had to lie him in a feeding trough, pretty much, is what a manger is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just that's always blown my mind because, mm-hmm. you know, he's God's son. He is the creator of this world. He could have been anywhere. He could have been a king. He could have came, you know, and everybody worshipped him. He could have came however he wanted to, as holy and as great as he could. But he chose to be the lowest of the low. I mean, mm-hmm. he was the son of a carpenter. That's a pretty low job, especially in that time. Um, he was born in a manger, a feeding trough around animals mm-hmm. in one of the smallest towns in that area of Bethlehem, which was a tiny, tiny town. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Sunday when you went to preach. Um, we went to, where'd we go? Mount Zion. Mount Zion, sorry. Did not mm-hmm. mean to forget the name, but I've been to so many churches I forget sometimes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mount Zion, yes. Um, it was a great church. Um, you preached a great message, Hunter. God gave you something good. And then at the end, a lady started talking and she was talking about when she went to Israel, and she was talking about how she went, and everything kind of seemed normal. You know, there's people mm-hmm. going around, they were selling stuff, um, and it was it was a you know it was a pretty cool place. It wasn't nothing really out of the ordinary mm-hmm. until they got in the bus and went to Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And she said that when she got there, there was kids running up just begging for anything, just mm-hmm. begging all over the place, and they told them not to give them anything because once you start, there was no way you could stop. There's so many of them. Yeah. And think about that. That is the city that Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the King of Kings, was born. Yeah. You know, he could have been born anywhere. In mm-hmm. Rome, in a palace, in Greece, I mean, anywhere. But he was born in the lowest city where it was poor. And just like the verse said, there was no room for him in the end. When I read that verse, that really stands out to me. I mean, it could have just stopped and said, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swollen clothes, and laid him in a manger right yep. there. And we would have thought... Well, that's odd, but why? Because there was no room for him. And I feel like that really is the point of this, you know. There was no room for him in the end. So if you're listening, there's the question again. Is there room for him in your heart? Have you made room for him? Because if not, then that's something, that's a question you need to ask yourself and really look into it and see, because making room for him is the most important thing. Making room for him is more important than anything. You know, there was... People in the inn, and just like you said um, earlier when we were talking, the innkeeper probably he didn't have a clue that that was going to be God's son being born. Mm-hmm. But um, still, if you knew that God's son was about to be born, you would. If you were anything like me and you, Hunter, for sure, and most people we know would clear out the area of yeah. anybody we could for him to be born. I mean, I would. We would push anybody out, the biggest ruler in the world, the president, uh, you know, uh, dictator in another country. I don't care who it is. Get out. This is God's son. He's about to be born. He mm-hmm. deserves the room. But there was no room for him. And that is something to look at. So no matter what you have in your life, whether it be your family, your career, your friends, your hobbies, whatever it is, they might all be important and they're good to have. But nothing can be over God and his son. And you have to make room for him in your heart. Hunter, do you have any words on that? Um, I completely agree with everything you just said. Uh, but one thing I kind of want to focus on a little bit is it's, it's very similar to what I preached Sunday night about Abraham and Isaac, and, and that's a portrayal of God's sacrifice of Christ. But the deal here is that not only did Christ sacrifice himself, but his entire life is a sacrifice, right. including his birth. He, he 
came in the lowest form possible. It was nasty. It was disgusting. It's not your average birth nowadays where everything's sterile and clean. And He was born in a feeding trough. And it may not have been used, or they could have just walked in and cleared it out and laid him there. Mm -hmm. But everything about Christ's life is a sacrifice. And the point I'm going with this is as he grows older and he comes into his ministry, he didn't have a place to lay his head. Everything he did was a sacrifice for other people. And today, as you're listening to us, like Forrest said, the innkeeper was unaware but right now, we just read it. You're aware that this is the Son of God. Right. And it can be, that's part of being a Christian. It's a sacrifice because we're to be like Christ. And we're to sacrifice our sin and, and our, our fleshly ways. You know, lay our cross down and follow Him. Right. Are we going to sacrifice just as He has? Mm-hmm. And that's part of the making room for Him. To make room for Christ, you have to clear room out. Amen. And so to make room for Christ, you have to clear sin out. You have to die to your flesh. You can't have them both in there at the same time. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives within you. But if you don't feed the Spirit, it dwindles. Mm-hmm. You don't have the same conviction that you once had when you were a newborn Christian. Because that sin has crept back in. And I don't care who you listen to that will tell you that that's how it works or you can do that. I was listening to a a preacher earlier today. I don't remember his name. But he said that if you are constantly looking for a line of how much sin you can have in your life, you're never going to grow. Because what we need to do is not be worried about a line. We need to be as close to the Christ as we possibly can. And if you're looking for a line, then you're going to sit there as close as you can be to the line. And that's why I'm very thankful in God's Word. He never gave us a line that we could cross and say, if you commit this sin, you commit this number of sin, then you're no longer able to be saved. But what He's given us is Christ and the bar to step to and how to grow closer to Him and how to love like Him, how to live like Him. And have salvation. Mm-hmm. And that's the bar that we need to, to aim for. Right. You're not going to get there. You're not going to be perfect. No. But with the Holy Spirit in your life, you've been given the power through Jesus to be like Him and to be His representative here. Right. Just like my dad's always told me when I play golf, he always said, you know, reach for a goal higher than your goal. Mm-hmm. When we were in high school, and I just wanted to make the starting team, he said, try to make it the state championship. And I made the starting team. That didn't seem that big. Mm-hmm. And then when I wanted to get the state championship, you know, I don't want to be a college golfer. And then I got the state championship, and that wasn't my goal, but I just happened to get here. Now we're looking on ahead, a national championship, you know, and if I make the starting team, that'll be great. But it wasn't the full goal, so it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's so far away when I'm just walking across it. So I feel like that's how it is. You know, God or Jesus Christ is the ultimate bar, like you said, at the top. I mean, there's no nothing more perfect than God and nothing more – perfect to reach for, but I don't care who you are, the greatest people ever. Um, Billy Graham, one of the greatest preachers to ever live, you know, loving to death. He was, he, he was definitely one of the best ever. I mean, and just not, not because of him, but how God used him, mm-hmm. and he was so faithful. But um, he wasn't perfect. 
No. And he wasn't Jesus Christ. He didn't reach that level. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're not going to. Nobody's going to. But if you reach for that, then other stuff won't be as big. Mm-hmm. So you keep looking at the bar. Keep your eyes on him, and you'll move forward more than you'd ever thought. Yeah. So moving on to the second point I had. When you look at the same verse um, where it's talking about there's no room for him in the end, we talked about the innkeeper, and you said that um, we talked about how he wasn't aware mm-hmm. that that was God's son. Well, that's a point too. While there's people, while you're out there, and as Christians, that if you're a Christian that have grown up in church or listened, or been to church, or gotten saved, or just you know went to church, just whatever. If you have knowledge of this verses and different stuff of this nature, um, then you know Christ. You can see it, and just like you said, you have to make room for him because you know it's obvious. But for people out there in the world today that have not heard the word mm-hmm. or have not been to church or have never been taught, um, they're lost. Yeah. And they're like the innkeeper. It's not that they're pushing God away. They don't realize what God is. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that this is Jesus. This is who I need. They don't realize. They just push it off because they've never been told anything about it. Mm-hmm. And as a Christian family and community, we need to reach out to the people that are unaware about God. Yep. And we need to go to them and say, you know, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. And that goes with witness. And that's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's a very hard thing to do. I mean, I can't speak for what the innkeeper would have done because it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But I've always thought, just like you said, if an angel would have came to the innkeeper beforehand and said, Mr. Innkeeper, um, there's a man and woman coming. And the woman has a, is, you know, she's pregnant and she's going to have a child tonight. And that child is going to be... Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Savior of this world. I feel like he would have made accommodations mm-hmm. for men. I mean, there's a big, huge chance. And if they wanted him to, they would have made it happen, the mm-hmm. angels and God. But that didn't happen because um, he wasn't, nobody told him. And that's how it is. There'll be a lot of people that'll die and go to hell, and it'll mm-hmm. be sad because nobody told them, nobody reached out to them. Mm-hmm. And you never know. Maybe if you just reached out to them at one time and told them about God's Son, they would have made room for him. So that is so important to say, you know, not judge people, the innkeeper. Don't judge the innkeeper. Don't judge the lost for saying, oh, they're a terrible person. You know, they're awful. They don't know God. They're not a Christian. No, you need to say, I'm going to go talk to them, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. That way, if they do reject him, it won't be because they had no clue it was coming. It'll be because they did. They rejected him, you know, mm-hmm. and that takes faith. But I feel like that's big. Hunter, you got a bird coming up? Um what you said about people who are lost is sometimes, like you said, we have this ideal of them being a bad person. Mm -hmm. And you can see that a lot if you're watching the nightly news and you see where something awful has happened that a person's done. And we kind of have this mentality of, oh, they're awful people. But the deal is, it's so are you and me and Forrest both. It's every person on this earth. The only difference between us is the Holy Spirit within us. That's the only thing that separates us. We all have the capability of doing something horrendous because that's the flesh and sin nature. And some people genuinely do have evil spirits inside them, none of their own doing. But if they don't have Jesus within them, there's nothing holding them back from doing the worst thing that you can possibly imagine. Right. And as Christians, like you've said about about the witnessing, some people do have talents to witness. 
Some people are very, very good at sharing Christ with others with with their words, and it's a it it is a good thing to be able to do it with your actions as well. But not every time do actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is use your words and then have your actions back it up. Right. Because not every person is going to catch on to you doing the Christ-like thing. It, now, I'm not saying it's something that we can just you know throw on the rug. Well, if nobody's going to notice it, what's the point in doing it? If you're saved and you're actively looking for people to witness to, that's not the mentality you have. Right. Your mentality is, how can I share Christ with others? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a talent to do it, that's okay. Right. Because through the Holy Spirit, God is going to lead you. Yes. And you're not going to do perfect every time. Don't go into a situation just you know, heartbroken because the person you talked to didn't get saved right off the bat. Mm-hmm. It's not always up to us to lead somebody to Christ. What it is our job to do is to plant the seed. Yes. And God will do with that whatever He wants to do. Mm-hmm. And it's up to those people whether they will accept or reject Him. Right. And there will be a lot of people in hell, and there are a lot of people in hell. And like Christ said to us later on in His ministry, many of them will say, you know, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in Your name. There are going to be a lot of people who thought they were saved because somebody witnessed to them or something. And... They say, oh, yeah, I'm saved. And around here especially, a lot of people have that mentality. They've never been truly saved. They live however they want to live. They don't have conviction in anything. But that's one of the things that you know we need to also do. Right. Is if we do get the opportunity to witness somebody and lead them to Christ, we don't just leave them there. Right. We need to disciple them. In a loving way, not in a way that's condescending, right. but in a way that we we can help them grow. Yes. And uh, going back to your point about sometimes they won't always get saved. Um, like you said about planting seed, you can compare that to a literal seed. You know, you've got a farm. You have many different connections to tractors that do stuff. You've got seed planters, you know. And the seed planter's job is to plant the seed. They don't water the crops or come up later and harvest the crops. Mm-hmm. They plant the seed, they get taken off, that's all they do. And sometimes that's what God will use you as, as a seed planter. You'll, you know, you'll talk to them, they'll plant a seed, and then somebody else may come later and talk to them. And they may go to, go to church, or they may read the Bible, or they may pray. You never know what will lead them on, but sometimes that's your job. So don't, like Hunter said, don't ever be disappointed when you do get faith and talk to somebody. Because I have done it before, and I'm not saying this to brag on myself, not at all, but I have talked to people before and then be like, no, I'm okay or whatever. And that's not, I mean, I had enough faith. God gave me faith to talk to them. And I don't know. I'm, I don't, haven't met some of these people again. They may have went on and got saved. They may not. They may in the future. Mm-hmm. But I planted the seed through God, and that's was my job at the time. Or else, you know, mm-hmm. if God wanted to, they would have got saved there. So that started what could have been. Okay, going to the next point. Um, I am going to read out of... Verse 8, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 again. I'm going to reiterate this. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. 
Um, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ Jesus the Lord. Okay, so in that verse, in verse 8, you see the angel came to a group of shepherds. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't say, and there were kings in the courtyard of their castles, or there were billionaires in the outside their mansions, or there were dictators in the outside of their huge place, like a president in a White House, or wherever they have another country, palaces. It didn't say that. It said they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock. Um, I've been around, I've seen sheep and stuff, you know, if, it, if this was sheep, which most likely definitely was, um, their wool gets very dirty. Mm-hmm. They get dirty. They're not as filthy as a pig or whatever, but they're not clean. They're not um, like a poodle in a dog show. They're not all pampered up and clean and mm-hmm. with their head up like they're the most perfect thing ever. They're not the cleanest animal. And the shepherds are not rich. Mm-hmm. They, some of them may not even get paid. They just, they stay out in the flocks. They keep watch over them. It's a dangerous job. And to fight off coyotes, wolves, lions, whatever they had in that area. And uh, it's very dangerous. Very dangerous. And they did it for little to nothing. So they were very low. In the city of Bethlehem, which is low. So we're talking about probably the lowest in the low area. Mm-hmm. The shepherds. And uh, that shows you that God will, will come to anybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're out there and you're listening to this and you think, well, God cannot come to me. I can't, I can't get saved. I'm not good enough. Or mm-hmm. I'm not a, I've been a bad person. He would never take me. Or, you know, whatever the reason is. Jesus, when his, or God, when Jesus was going to be born, sent an angel to shepherds. If you don't think that's amazing... Mm-hmm. Then you gotta read it again because he did not, like I said, send it. He could have sent it to anybody. Mm-hmm. Caesar. He could have changed Caesar's heart and sent it to him. He sent it to a group of shepherds, the lowest, and wanted them to know about him. Mm-hmm. And that's how he is. He's not necessarily just gonna go to the m- most important person in your area. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll come to you, he'll talk to you because he wants everybody. He loves everybody. So he doesn't discriminate. So if you feel like you're not good enough to be saved, that's not true. God talks to everybody. He comes to everybody, no matter who it is. And uh, that verse is, you know, kind of a parable of it. It shows that. It mirrors that. Um, Hunter, can you expand on that? Or um, one thing that if you got the guys who are listening, the people who are listening, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Uh, what four says is completely right, but it's not about you. It's not about being good. It's not about being bad. What it is about is the salvation that comes to you through Christ to bring glory to God's name. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason he came to sh- the angel of the Lord came to shepherds. That's the reason that all throughout Jesus' life he spoke to the lowly and the humble and the people who are hurting and mm-hmm. the sick. That's the reason in Gideon's army, when he picked Gideon to lead his army, that's the reason he cut out so many soldiers is because everything that happens on this earth is meant to bring God glory. And it will, no matter what, if because God is self-sufficient. He didn't need any of us. He doesn't need any of us. What it is for us is to be saved through Christ's grace. Right. Amen.
Okay, so with that point on, the next point, I've got one or two more points. I got one more little thing. Okay, that's fine. Take your time. Um, in verse 10, it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I want us to focus on the good tidings of great joy. It didn't say good tidings of joy. Mm-hmm. It, didn't bring, it didn't say good tidings of good joy. It's good tidings of great yes. joy. Because this isn't just a king that's conquering the earth. This is not God's son coming down and getting rid of all the bad guys on earth. This is God's son coming down and giving the blood payment of all the world's sin that ever was before and ever will be. And that's the great joy to know that we don't have to encounter the second death of hell that we deserve because God in his holiness, that has to be done. There can't be sin in heaven. Mm -hmm. There can be sin on earth because it's already been cursed. But what Christ came to do is remove that from our souls and, and to renew us again in God. Because if you're lost today, you're dead in your Amen. in your soul, and until God reveals it to you, you will never know. But He's promised that He comes to each and every person, and you will not have an excuse when you stand before God, because at some point in your life you will have an encounter with Him. It may happen more than once. I grew up in church and had many opportunities to be saved, but the only time you can be saved is when God is calling you. Amen. Definitely. Okay, that's 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 actually the verse I was going to go to next. Just a different point than what you just made. That's very true. But I'm going to look at the second part, the first part of that verse. It's the angel said to them, "Fear not." And that's what I want to look at. Fear not, Hunter. And I want to say this with your name being Hunter, but you're a hunter, right? Mm-hmm. You hunt out in the woods. You do all kinds of bear, deer, everything, pretty much. And I know of. I don't know. You've been doing it a lot lately, but. Uh, I just want to put this in perspective, just answer this question. If you were out in the woods, I mean, have you ever been out in the woods, just walking through the woods, and all of a sudden an angel pops out of nowhere and starts talking to you? Has that ever happened to you? No, I can't say it has. Oh, I didn't think so. <laughs> um, but let's say you were in the woods, and an angel did that. Would, do you think that would scare you a little? Absolutely. Yeah, that would be a little different, because I remember being, I went to the uh, golf tournament, professional golf tournament, uh, last year, at least like the tour championship they have every year. And it was under a rain delay. So me, my dad, and my friend were walking out. We walked by near about 10, 20 feet from a tree or less. And lightning struck the tree. And it was so, it knocked me down. It scared me to death. And while I'm sure the angel didn't knock the shepherds down and blow stuff all over them and scare them to death, it scared them. Mm-hmm. It started them. And I can imagine, big, I mean, an angel coming out. So, I mean, that I could see that being scary because mm-hmm. it just, comes out of nowhere you don't expect it mm-hmm. and it's an angel it'd be unlike anything you've ever seen before one thing i also want us to be aware of is not all these angels are what you see in movies right. they're not these beautiful people and i mean they're beautiful in their own way <laughs> yeah <laughs> but they don't have you know the white wings that you see all the time where right. they're not the babies that have the arrows and these angels have several faces mm-hmm. and they're clothed in fire like yes. You know, it would be terrifying. Oh, yeah. And it would make me even more scared if they said, fear not. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's something you couldn't imagine because yeah. we can't imagine what heaven's no, like. I've never seen it. So. Um, and so we don't know what it's like. So, yeah, it would definitely be scary. 
But I feel like that is also referring to many other things, as the Bible does often. Um, about I want to tie us into getting saved and finding Him and pursuing Him. You know, they say fear not, but mm-hmm. it was scary. I don't care if the angel said fear not. It's going to be a little scary, wouldn't you think so, Hunter? Yeah. So when you talk from a higher standpoint, not a higher. I'm on one. I do not want to say I'm more higher. I'm not trying to say that. From a more uh, been in the church longer, possibly, you know, been saved a while, whatever, more experience, I guess, say, from a more experience level like we, and then way more experienced people in the church, you start getting out of stuff that you were as a younger Christian. You remember when I was younger and growing up, I was probably the shyest person in this church. Yeah. I didn't talk to you. I didn't talk to nobody. Yeah. I was scared of everything. And the thing that absolutely terrified me was the thought of going to the altar mm-hmm. in front of everybody. That was absolutely scary for me. You know, and that always scared me. And then whether it is being to get saved or to go up and repent, wondering what people think about you, or even if it's not just that, it's just making the commitment to do it. Even mm-hmm. if it's not in front of people, just making the commitment. It can be scary. I don't care what anybody says. Well, I was an outgoing person that terrified me. Yeah. That's what kept me from getting saved. It's, it's scary. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not. And the, the more farther you get in the faith, I'm sure it gets less. Because right now, just two years ago, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be talking. But mm-hmm. now God's prepared me to where I'm better about it. Now, there's more stuff I'll do. And the older you get in the faith, the better it gets. But it's scary. And I don't care if, um, for example, Pastor Rick tells you it's not. You know, fear not. Don't worry. It'll be fine. It's still scary. Just like the angel telling them, fear not. They're still scary. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they were. So that's something to look at. It might be scary making the commitment to become a Christian mm-hmm. or repenting or... Like you, like you had to, to make the commitment to listen to God and announce your call to preach mm-hmm. or to become a deacon or whatever it may be. It's going to be scary, mm-hmm. but you just got to remember, fear not. And even if you are fearing, just God will help you. Mm-hmm. He's there for you because you take the jump and you do it, what's going to happen is going to be way awesomer than how scary it was. Uh, that reminds me of... Uh, I don't remember who exactly said it first. I've heard it said a lot, mm-hmm. but God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Amen. And that doesn't just apply to people he's calling to preach. That applies to any job that or talent that he's going to give you. And when you become saved, he's already got a talent picked out for you before the earth was formed. Mm-hmm. And when you step into that, when when you first begin, you aren't going to be the best at it automatically. But as you grow and you have the chance and, and the decision to turn it away, you, you really can. Um, but if you're saved, you really can't get away from it. Right. If that's what God wants you to do, then that's what you're going to do. Um, like my call to preach, for example, before I announced, I was trying to get away from it and it was killing me. Yeah. I, I'm, it was hard to eat. It's hard to sleep. And I knew I wouldn't have any rest until I took that step of faith. And it's not anything, you know, trying to build myself up. I'm trying to use it as an example right. of when God is calling you to do something, he will prepare you for it. And he'll mm-hmm. give you what whatever you need. Yeah. Uh, one thing I also want to look at in the phrase, fear not. In my Bible, I have one of those Hebrew uh, translation things. And the word fear is used in uh, 
in a tense that means in that moment they were to fear not, but also forevermore. And I want you to know today that if you if you are saved and, and you're worried about what God may be calling you to do, don't be afraid because there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. He may be calling you to go be a missionary overseas where it's extremely dangerous mm-hmm. and you may lose your life, but whatever it is, don't be afraid. Right. Amen. And uh, we're getting toward the end of the podcast here and we're going to start wrapping this up. And uh, I want to bring our attention to one last point to wrap it up. Going back to the question I asked, once again, emphasize it. Are you seeking him? Are you making room for him in your heart? Um, the last thing I can think of is the phrase, well, I mean, the wise man that came to him when he was born and brought the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, I don't think it really ever specifies who, it doesn't specify exactly who they were, like name by name or anything, just like no. it did in the shepherd. No. Um, there was a lot of different interpretations. Some people call them kings. Uh, Magi. Yeah, Magi, wise men. There's a lot of different names for them. But the wise men fits because the wise men were seeking him. Mm-hmm. And I know I've heard a lot of it lately. They say wise men still seek him. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the, the verse I said, or the, the question I asked, are you making room for him and are you still seeking him? Because the wise men, you know, they seeked him. They found him out. They were looking for God's son. And that is one thing to end on. Um, are you still seeking him? Are mm-hmm. you, even if you're a Christian, if you're already saved, are you still staying in the fight? Are you still reading the Bible mm-hmm. more? Are you trying to learn more about him? Are you listening to preachers more? Are you going to church mm-hmm. whenever you can? Are you enjoying it? Are you praying? Are mm-hmm. you trying to grow? Or are you just being lukewarm, as we talked about a couple episodes ago, and just mm-hmm. you know saying, I'm a Christian, but I'm not worried about growing? Or are you trying? Because wise men seek him. Even after they get saved, you still seek him. It's always important. Always. Until the day you die. Um, what was uh, about my my great-grandfather? Um, he was a great man of God. Preacher for many years. Um, for his whole life. Well, he finally got old enough where he couldn't go to church anymore. Mm-hmm. And my dad said he just, it was sad because that's all he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. All he wanted. He was old. He could just sat at home and I don't really know what they had to do back then, done whatever. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to go to church. That's all he wanted to do. And a lot of people today, and I don't want to exclude people, there's times that I've not wanted to go at times just because whether I didn't want to wake up because I'm tired or I want to watch this football game on TV or whatever. But you go. And I'm not trying to look at uh, church as this lower than anything. I love going to church. And I normally look forward to it. But there's been times where I haven't just like most people. And uh, that's how it is. You know, a lot of people, they find excuses. Well, I'm not going to go today for this reason. Or I'm not. Just like I was talking about my grandfather, though. That's all he wanted. And he was a very wise man. And uh, my dad said he had pretty much all the Bible memorized. He was very in the faith. That's what he lived. He mm-hmm. eat, he ate, he slept, everything. That was the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's what his life revolved around. Um and that's how we should be. I'm not saying give everything everything up and just focus on that. I mean, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. I mean, focus on him as much as you can, but still seek him because that's what wise men do. Hunter, do you have a word on that? Uh, back to what you said about, you know, you 
most of us normally enjoy going to church. Mm-hmm. But if there are times when you don't, remind yourself of the things you are willing to get up and go do. Amen. Because if, if, you, if you're sick, it's a different story. Uh, but if you just don't want to get out of bed and go, right. uh, think about what you did the day before or on Saturday or any day during the week, especially during the holiday season. Most people have more time off work. Yeah. What are you willing to get up and go do? I'm willing to get up at 5 in the morning to go hunt. So me saying I don't want to get up at 8 o'clock to be there for church on Sunday or to even listen online, uh, it's not a valid excuse. Right. And when you go through that with that lens of being critical of yourself and being honest with yourself, your excuses disappear. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're deathly sick, like if you have COVID, yeah. please do not come yeah, to church. Stay home. Yeah, or or if you have the flu or no, something that you think fine, might be contagious, home. yeah, you you need to stay. God home. understands that. But what I'm referring to is, oh well, you know I've stayed up kind of late last night and I don't really want to go in there because I won't be paying attention. Or, but I'm just gonna say if, if you're afraid that you're not gonna pay attention, being there and at least hearing it mm-hmm. is way better than not going and yes. not hearing anything. Or if you have the mentality of, you know, well, so-and-so the other day said something that made me mad. Or so-and-so did this, and that's they claim to be a Christian. That's not what I want to stand for. I'm just, people do bad things because we're people. Yes. People make mistakes. But to look at those mistakes and say there is no God, if you're using logic, makes absolutely no sense. Right. Because then you're looking for excuses to push away God. Mm-hmm. And any excuse you make will not be viable when you stand before Him. Right. So like Force has said, and, and the question that we're phrasing you is, do you make room? Do you make the sacrifice like Christ did? And we're to be like Christ. Do you make the sacrifice to make room for Him? Because right. as we said over and over, something has to give. Yes, Something has to give. It does, yeah. You can't have... The best of both worlds is the phrase. Mm-hmm. You can't go out and do whatever you want to on Saturday night, Friday night, Thursday, Wednesday, whatever night, whatever day. You can't just go do whatever you want to do and there not be conviction in your life and you have Christ within you and then come on Sunday and worship with your whole heart. Yes. That cannot happen. Right. I tried that for years. It doesn't work. You can put on whatever kind of facade you want to, but it, and other people can think that you're a Christian. I did this for eight years until I was 16 years old. When I was younger, I didn't really, you know, realize it. But as I got older in my teens, I knew exactly what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly what was in, in my heart and my soul. Right. And everybody fit, thought I was saved. Now, my people that live in my household, my dad, for example, he was kind of questioning it because then you see the real person when you're at home. But what we're saying is, are you making room when when you're in those situations of you know going to church and putting on a on a face? Are you making room? Because if you're having to act like you're going to church, you're not making room. There is no room for Christ in your heart. I'll, I'll say that you don't have room. You're not making room. You don't have any room. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you can fall anywhere within that in any kind of room, but. 
to have Christ in your heart, he has to have all the room. Yes. And and to worship him with your whole heart and to be actively seeking him. You have he has to have the whole room, mm-hmm. all the attention. You let him decide whether you go do this or do that. Yeah. And you don't plan your Bible reading around your other things. You plan your other things around your Bible reading. Mm-hmm. You plan your other things around your prayer. You plan your other things about your meditation. You plan your other things about your church services. You plan your other things around sharing Him and witnessing. Mm-hmm. And to make room. And I, I really want to go into that right there on how do you make room. Yeah, because uh, we can say make room. That didn't really uh, register with me until we got to this point. But you can make room all you want to. But if you aren't really focused on making room and you don't have consistency, that room will not stay mm-hmm. because things will creep back in. Uh, I don't remember exactly how long. I think it might be like three weeks is what it takes for a habit to set in. Mm-hmm. For that three weeks, you make a habit of yourself doing things for Christ. You speak to him, you talk to him, you read his word, which is how he communicates with you most often. Or if you, or if you feel like he's speaking to you then you look it up in the Word, and if it matches the Word, you know, there are ways that we can make room that aren't hard. Definitely. They are not hard. But what it is is we don't want to give up that room right. because it doesn't always line up with our fleshly desires, Definitely. and they're hard to be back sometimes. Yeah, because for me, I didn't start reading my Bible or trying to read my Bible every day until, I guess, March or April of this year. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I didn't read it. Ever. I didn't read much at all until this year. I'll admit that. But I started a plan on my Bible app where I read so many verses a day, every day. And it's one of those things where, I'll be honest, some days it gets late and I get tired and I hadn't read or whatever. And I, you know, I kind of, I don't want to, it's not that I don't want to do it, it's just that I don't feel like I have time. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where I've timed it before. Not that I was trying to, get done really fast or anything, but I time to see how long it takes. It takes around 10 to 15 minutes at the most for that plan, sometimes mm-hmm. less. And then I say a prayer, either before or after my nightly prayer. That takes anywhere from 5 to 10 minutes, depends on what I'm praying about. That is at most, normally not this long, but at most 20 to 30 minutes, mm-hmm. or maybe 30. That's not long. That's no. 30 minutes. you got 24 hours a day. You might wake up, whatever time you wake up at night, 30 minutes, that's not long to give to God. And mm-hmm. you don't even have to give that one. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, it just just like you said, you know, we're making excuses. Oh, I don't have time. I have to go to work today or I have to go to school today. And then I, I got to go do this afterwards. And then I got to get home, get and do my homework or I got to get in bed. 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can find that much time in your day, yeah. honestly, because God gave it all for you. Mm-hmm. He gave it all. Yeah. There's no reason why we can't get. And I did that one night, which I do. Forget to do it. Sometimes there's been times I normally do my reading at night, and there's been times where I fell asleep before I do it, and I wake up the next day and I feel bad about it. There's one mm-hmm. time I woke up at like three or four o'clock in the morning, fell asleep like eleven, and uh, realized I hadn't read or said my prayers, and I felt so bad because it just hit me. I told myself, you know, all that God did for me, and I can't give Him that much time to talk mm-hmm. to Him and to read about His Word. So just like you said, you'll make excuses because mm-hmm. your your fleshly self does that. Mm-hmm. but to grow in God you'll start making less and less excuses mm-hmm. I uh, um, read we talk about different com- comedy things on here occasionally you were talking about um, 
different stuff last time, and something I read one time was comparing church to a football game. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a Tennessee fan, and I'll be toured for most of the time, but I've been to Neyland Stadium a lot. Mm-hmm. And you compare it, I mean, I don't know where you're listening from, but you search up what Neyland Stadium looks like. It's a very well-known college football stadium at UT. Um, they talk about you go to Neyland Stadium. I'll park all the way across the Tennessee River, pay like five, ten bucks to park there. Walk out of the car, walk all the way across the bridge, through what we call the goat trail, which is up rocks, down rocks, around, into the stadium, wait in line, climb up the stadium, find your seat, sit down, pack amongst a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And you won't go to church. If you if you don't get a good parking spot up front, you complain. Mm-hmm. Um, if the pew isn't comfortable, I mean, you just went and sat on hard bleachers, you know. Yeah. Oh, there's too many people here. It's too packed. You just yeah. packed in with 102,455 people. Um, <laughs> I love how you knew the number. Yeah, I know the exact number. Um, you don't have to pay to go to church. You might have to give an offering, but, I mean, that's something you should be glad to do. But you go to a football game, you got to pay all this money to park, I pay this money for a ticket, pay a lot on concessions. I mean, it's it's very expensive. Uh-huh. And uh, there's just so many things that I've read. And there's way more. There's like two pages worth of stuff that compared to having me rolling, <laughs> laughing one night. But it, it's true, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't get everything. Not for everybody, but there's a lot of times, you know, you don't get everything you want at the church and you're upset. But you go to a football game and you absolutely rough it or whatever and you're fine with it. You don't complain. Yeah. Uh, I know this has been a long episode. Yes, it has. uh, But before we wrap up, and I'll wrap it up after I get done with it, I want to give your stick one more image in your head about making room. Several years ago, uh, that's when I was still eighth grade freshman, maybe. Mm-hmm. Poplar Bluff down here, their youth did a skit where they had a long table and people sitting it all around the table. Yeah, and at the end of the table, they had somebody portraying Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, they started handing out pie, and they handed out a piece of pie to every spot on the table. And they went all the way around, starting with the person next to Jesus, went all the way around, and came all the way back to Jesus. But when they got back, there was no pie left. And after that, they brought out another pie. This is to make their point. They handed the whole pie to Jesus and let him give out the pieces of pie and in accordance to how much time we're supposed to give to him or how much pie, per se, was to go to him. Mm-hmm. And it's not that he just took the whole pie and ran off. He still gives us freedoms to do what you know, the things we love to do. Not everything that you know. I, I kind of made it sound like this when I wasn't meaning to. For instance, I love to hunt. I'm a Christian. I'm a preacher. It takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I still get to hunt. It's not that you know. I just have to quit doing everything. And you know, there are times and places for that. If God's calling you to do that, then yes, go ahead. Right. But He still He knows us as individuals and as his children he knows we have uh, things that make us happy here that we have fun with and he just doesn't you know cut out our joy it's when those things don't line up with his word or their sin where those things come into play or it becomes a sin when we indulge in it too much and it becomes an idol to us mm-hmm. so that marks the end of this episode and we again, we want to phrase the question one more time. Do you have room for Him mm-hmm. in your heart and in your life? Right. 
And how you do that is make room. Yes. Make you have room. to make room for him. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old of a Christian you are. You still have to fight your fleshly desires and the things that you do here right. to make room for him. Right. And one more thing I want to say, and I'll close if that's okay. Um, yeah. You were talking about making room. Uh, it's just like a closet. You know, if you mm-hmm. have a closet, like you move into a house for the first time, there's so much in that closet. Or there's nothing in that closet, I'm sorry. It's an empty closet. And I feel like that shows the potential of our lives mm-hmm. when we become a Christian. They've got plenty of time. There's so much we can do. But then you put some suits in there, some shirts, some Takes pants. Some, mm-hmm. start, next thing you know, it's full. Yep. Now when you want you buy something new, you want to fit it in there, there's no room. So you got to make room for it. Yep. You know, you got to make room for God in your heart. You can't have everything full. You have to make room. And, uh, okay, so just like Hunter said, you know, that's the question. Focus on that question. I really, really feel like Sunday God put that on me because, you know, I don't circle a whole lot in my Bible, but I circled that. And I was, I was <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to forget this. God, yeah. really, I just, it hit me while I was sitting there. So I just really feel like that God is pressing me to, or pressing us, I should say, to present this question to you and to really think about it. So um, don't just brush it off after this episode. Please think about it. And, uh, yeah, and then after that point, stay tuned, as we always say in the episode. We'll have more episodes coming soon. Um, what I'm not sure what the next one will be about. We'll be studying. The next one, we're going to try to have somebody on. Yeah, we're going to try and have a guest. And uh, we're not 100% sure who it is yet, but I promise you that you're going to love to hear them because I mean, we've looked at the list of potential people that we're going to have on here, and there's not a single person on that list that I – you know, don't feel blessed to be able to have on the show and feel awesome for you guys to hear. So please stay tuned. Tell your friends about us because I feel like God's leading us in a certain direction and certain stuff. And I really feel like there's people out there that need to hear this. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't stay selfish and just, you know, keep it <laughs> yourself out there. I'm going to be honest with you. Share the word. I'm going to have to get rude if I have to. Share the word. No, I'm just tell everybody about us as much as you can. Uh, and tell somebody about God. Um, you know, don't just say, hey, go listen to this. You know, if you, you know, feel led and tell people about us, tell people about God, go out there and make room for Him in your heart. So mm-hmm. we thank you for listening to this episode and Merry Christmas, everybody.